DJ and PK, time now to talk a little college football with Frank Dolce. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. At least any handset. And get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Frank, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're not having any technical difficulties today. Rock uh, solid today, Frank. We're rocking. Yep, awesome. Frank, PK we're in- from yeah. the South Bay. What's up, G? <laughs> That's my guy. PK's my guy. Frank, we're going to start you off with the question of the day. Are you ready? Absolutely. What should Ute fans want to have happen with the BYU-USC game? BYU softens them up. Utah sets up a showdown. Can't root. Hate them both. Don't care. It's our year. Bring them on. Hmm. I, I would be more... Can I modify one of those answers? I would be more along the lines of don't care, but I wouldn't go so far as to say bring them on, it's our year. I think the, the uh, you know, I, I, want, I want Kalani Sataki to do well. I, I love Kalani, and I hope he has great success. But the, the Pac-12 over the weekend was, I thought it was really interesting. And now all of a sudden what seemed like maybe a more clear path to the championship game for Utah got all muddied up because USC looks like they have athletes running all over the field. And, and they, you know, like they did to Fresno State at times, they mugged Stanford at times. And then Colorado goes and, and beats Nebraska and yeah, you know, I guess the UCLA is no good. I guess the surprising one was it was Arizona State letting Sac State kind of kind of hang around. Uh, and then how about Cal beating Washington? I mean, the, the Pac-12, what we thought was going to be the Pac-12, changed in my mind over the weekend. So I think the biggest surprise there was the quarterback for SC, the freshman, not the redshirt freshman, but the, the first-year freshman coming in there and doing what he did. What does it take to have a kid who only in his second game of college played a little bit in the first game because of the injury, but to do like he did with a 28 of 33 for 377 yards against a Pac-12 defense was just off the charts. How do you explain it? Well, the first thing is he was, he had to be extraordinarily well prepared physically and mostly mentally to go and, and take on that challenge. And who knows, maybe he's just too young to, to understand what, what's happening. But, but uh, he, he stepped in there. He looked like he was confident. He looked like he knew what he wanted to do. And credit the coaching staff for getting him to that point and putting a game plan in place that he could execute because he executed very very well and then you know and then he has an offensive line that that plays i mean those guys played pretty darn well you know he didn't he didn't he wasn't he was harassed a little bit here and there but he wasn't really harassed that often you you need some help to to make plays like that and to and to throw for that percentage and then i mean he has he has a terrific running back maybe a couple uh, solid running game, which is still, in my mind, a quarterback's best friend, is a good running game. 
And then I don't know how many. I mean, he, he maybe he has four receivers that are that are top three round NFL draft guys. So he has some weapons around him. And by the way, did did it, did you notice this? It, it looked to me like there was a significant speed differential between USC and Stanford. And I like Stanford. I love David Shaw, but but he he was certainly extremely well prepared uh, to execute that game plan, and he got he has a lot of help. He has a lot of athletes around him. So I think you know the interesting thing about the way the conference changed over weekend that you reference is a lot of it. A lot of it comes down to. Are you settling for field goals or are you scoring touchdowns? Washington kicked four field goals against Cal. You need to score some touchdowns. Cal's not around to win that game at the end. You look at Stanford, they had six potential scoring drives, but four field goals, and they missed two of them. And SC, with the exception of that early field goal, is scoring a touchdown every time. How much of this just comes down to how good you are in the red zone? There isn't that much separating a lot of these teams. Yeah, red zone execution and red zone percentage on both sides of the ball is significantly important. And, and, and I think, you know, typically I agree with you on that point that you have to score touchdowns. You know, this is, you know, I, I say it sometimes, this is a game where you have to score touchdowns to win because the other, you know, the opposing offense, I, I feel that way about when you play Washington state, like Washington state is a game where you have to go and score touchdowns because they're going to score touchdowns and you can't get away with scoring field goals. Maybe Utah is, is the, is the best team around with the ability to kick field goals and still figure out a way to win football games than anybody else. Um, And that's why they're, that's why they're, you know, it's a good matchup when, when they play. That's why when, when I look at their schedule and I say, okay, Utah versus Washington, I like that matchup better. Because I think Utah can force Washington to, to do those things, kick field goals. And then if you're trading field goals, you know, you figure out a way to come out of that game on top. It's why I don't like the matchup with Washington State and Utah, because now you're, you have to put yourself in a position where you're, you're either playing catch-up or you're you know, in the red zone. You have to be 100% efficient because Washington State is going to score a, a bunch of touchdowns. So, uh, yeah, red zone efficiency is significantly important in the league, and, and it, it does spell the difference between, you know, which team is going to represent the conference in the championship game and which team won't. Um, but interestingly, I think Utah wins that battle more often than not when it comes down to a field goal game just because that's their style of play. Have any concern at all that the Northern Illinois quarterback was able to throw for 202 yards in the first half, knowing that I think he only had like 27 or so in the second half? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that those, those things are are very concerning. You because you have this expectation that the Utes will will take Northern Illinois and and basically dismantle them at the line of scrimmage, and and then it's going to be you know, maybe a, a one or two yard run average throughout the day and the quarterback's going to throw for, you know, maybe 50% completions and, and maybe a hundred and so hundred or so yards over the course of the day. And so when, when, when the expectation is not met, 
And when you see guys kind of running around the field and go on a scoring drive and then you, you know, you know, you kind of, you kind of think about that a little bit and you think about teams that Utah's going to face moving forward and, and how they're going to utilize that type of game field. So yeah, I think there's concern. Although I would say, I would also say this, that the game got pretty boring after that, you know, after Northern Illinois went on that first scoring drive, maybe scored their second touchdown. And then, and then the game was not exciting anymore because it never felt like after that point, even when Utah went up by, I think, three points at one point, it felt like, well, okay, the game, Utah has the game in control. It's never, it wasn't really in doubt after that point. And although I think Utah made some improvements and took a step forward in some areas, you know, they still have some improvement to make. So, uh, yeah, but, but, but for sure, I think there's a little concern about the teams Utah's going to face in the pass game and how they're going to manage that based on what happened in the first half uh, last weekend. You know, college sports, PK always says sports reinvents itself all the time, but college sports really does because guys are there, you know, two to four years, whatever. Do you see any of these new guys for the Utes? And some of them have been on the team before. Some are relatively new here. But do you see anybody breaking out behind Moss? Because they were distributing the ball, both running and throwing the ball to guys out of the backfield or out of the slot who haven't gotten a lot of touches, and they're all making plays, and I don't know that they'll be able to do that in the Pac-12. I don't know if it's a one-off. Are any of them, you think, have a little more staying power? You're willing to bet on a little more than some of the other guys? Uh, playing in the, in, in the running back position? Yeah. And some of yeah, the running backs, like, they line up in slot, too, so I, and it's a little gray area. but Yeah, yeah. I, I, like, uh, I like Will Moore. I mean, I think there's a guy that – it has some potential, but, but the problem is these guys are going to have to break out on very few Touches. opportunities. Yeah. I mean, they're just not going to get opportunities. If Moss stays healthy, then, then he's just going to carry, and he should, you know, 90% of the touches in the running back position are going to be to, to Moss. So they're going to have to break out on, on a few carries a game, and that's really, that's really difficult to do, especially when I feel like the running back position, for the most part, is a – is a position group that needs to get into a rhythm in the football game and, and have a have a bunch of touches. But but I think I, I like Will Moore. I like all the other guys. I like I like uh, Henry Cole and I like I like Brumfield and I like TJ Green. I don't think they quite fit in the same class. I think they would be very uh, they, they 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 would be productive backs and they would bring a little different style. To the running back position, but I don't know that I necessarily put them in the same like the same productivity that you can count on each week from the running back position group. I like all of those guys. I think they're they're really talented guys, but there's a clear separation, I think, between those guys and certainly Zach Moss, and maybe maybe even a little bit in Wilmore. I think Zach Wilson certainly got his best win. Last week against Tennessee, since he's been the starter, so now that he has that in his back pocket, how much better do you think he can be going forward? Oh yeah, that's a great win. That's a fantastic win, uh, a really good win on the road in in a, in a hostile environment and 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 facing some adversity and and figuring out how to make a play. I mean, it's all, those are all the things that that college football is built on. I mean, all of that type of excitement and so now 
can can Kalani and and his team build on that? Uh, where, where did they? What did they do really well in that game? Where do they need to improve? From, from that game, what, you know, what are opposing defenses going to learn from what Tennessee did or, or didn't do in that game? So, yeah, I think there's plenty, plenty to build on. And, and it should be, you know, certainly on the confidence side, it should give uh, BYU something to, to build on moving forward. Still, I think, you know, they have, a couple, they have a couple really difficult games coming up. And so it'll be interesting to see how they – how they respond. Uh, USC, like, like I said, the athleticism at USC is very intriguing. Now, I don't know that I'm, I still don't know that I'm sold on Coach Helton. Uh, I like, I mean, like, he's a really, like, he, he would be a guy that you'd want to hang out with. He seems like a really good guy. And, and, but, but then do you think, well, I don't know if he's really gotten the most out of the talent that he's had available at USC. So, and it, I don't. I don't know how I feel about him leading that team, but but and there's a lot of athletes, and athleticism typically wins out, uh, in, you know, in a in a college football game. Lot, lots of times it does anyway. And then and then Washington is, you know, they're just they're just going to make it. They, they'll make it difficult. They'll make it really difficult uh, on BYU right at the line of scrimmage. And and uh, which was interesting because Cal seemed to push push Washington around a little bit, but. But Washington will, you know, do a lot, a lot of things that Utah does and try and make you one-dimensional, and they'll try and keep uh, Wilson in the pocket and keep him hemmed in a little bit and force him to do things under pressure that he doesn't, doesn't necessarily want to do. And then after that, I think, after those next two games, I think BYU has a, has a very good opportunity in their schedule to, to pick up a lot of nice wins. So uh, certainly lots to build on from a great win on the road under difficult circumstances. Um, but it doesn't, the task doesn't necessarily get any easier with, with USC coming to town. You know, for the Utes, they're 2-0 and right now. You just said, you know, when you have the better athletes, you can win a lot of college football games. Have you learned a lot about this team that you think will help kind of tell the story when they're playing the top end of the Pac-12 schedule? Or are those still all question marks? And I guess more importantly, do you think the coaches have learned and figured anything out from these first couple games that will help them against the top end of the Pac-12 schedule? I'm sure the coaching staff has figured something out or, or have they, they've witnessed something on game film that maybe we just don't, we aren't privy to. So yeah, I'm sure inside the walls, they're tweaking things. And I, you know, I think they tried some, some new stuff here and there against Northern Illinois that may not ever see the light of day again. But so, so there, this is, this is a game when they go into Idaho, when Idaho state comes to town that they have to really get fine tuned heading into heading into the Pac-12 schedule. In, in terms of U- matchups for Utah the rest of the way, at the beginning of the year, I thought, well, there, you know, there looks like there's maybe two losses on the schedule, or I should, maybe I should say kind of likely that there are two losses on the schedule. And then the four teams I picked it for those losses, Washington, Washington State, USC, and uh, Arizona State. And I thought that Washington State was at the top of my list. Well, I, you know, I think I'm going to have to add another to that list because of the way Colorado played and the way they've played the last couple of weeks and the way their quarterback is playing and the passing game. PK, you mentioned the passing game. 
which, you know, gives a little bit of concern on, in the Utah secondary. So Colorado might jump into there in the mix of being a team that you once thought, well, yeah. Utah should be able to. I feel very confident Utah's going to get a win with Colorado. Well, I don't know. Maybe you don't feel so confident in, in that anymore based on the way Utah's performed the first couple of weeks. I, you know, they've been good wins, solid wins, but I don't think they've been wins where you think, well, this is a Utah football team that is going to the Rose Bowl this year. I would think you would say, this is a Utah football team that has a lot of talent and all of the opportunity in front of them to go to the Rose Bowl if they do things the right way week in and week out. Um, and don't get caught up in, you know, in one of those games that they, you know, they somehow figure out how to fumble away. But, but certainly the path is a little more muddy than, than we thought previous to the last couple of weeks. Uh, for me, I always thought that Colorado is not going to win the South for sure. They may not even contend, but on any given Saturday, when you got a fifth-year senior quarterback who knows what he's doing, certainly he knows what he's doing, that they can be dangerous on that given Saturday. So I totally agree with you. I would also, and I've always had this because of their defense and their running game against Washington was decent enough, that I would put Cal in there as not a cakewalk either. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. I, I, uh, I, I left them out unintentionally, but, but the way that Cal played, and I love their, I love their head coach, and I think he does it, does it the right way, and I love the way. I don't know if you got a chance to watch their, them play against, against Washington, but some of the defensive blitzes, I mean, they had, they had safeties a few times for kind of managing the snap count. They had safeties blitzing from the safety position, like lined up 10 or 12 yards downfield, and all of a sudden here comes a flash of white blitzing from the defensive secondary. I mean, I just thought it was very, very creative and obviously very effective the way that he's running that football team. And I, you know what, it's, it's, like, it's like one of those things. I, 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 like, I like more parity in, in the Pac-12. I like all the teams to be good. And, and I know that people say, well, then you beat each other up and you don't give yourself as, you know, the best opportunity to get to a playoff. And I don't know if that's, if, that, if that's the best thing. I would rather, I, I think I would rather have some parity when you have these competitive games week in and week out. And I think that's where, where Cal has put itself. There are a few teams in the league that still need to get there and and hopefully they you know they'll kind of figure it out over the next couple seasons but but i love the way cal's playing and and to knock off washington two years in a row and this one at washington absolutely you have to circle that one if on on utah's schedule as now that becomes a question mark frank as always we appreciate a few minutes thanks for coming on and uh talking a little utah football Absolutely. You know, you guys, it's my, uh, of all the shows I get to do on 1280, don't tell anyone, yours is my very favorite. <laughs> I've heard you say that on other shows, Frank. Dang. I've not. We're on to Never you. said that We're on to anybody you, else. We're on to you. We see what you're doing, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think you guys are awesome. So have all a right. great day. Go with that. I look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks, Good. Frank. 
Frank Dolce, youth analyst for The Zone, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic, talking about a new treatment for ED. We are. It's called acoustic wave therapy. Um, the first thing, as far as I know, the first thing that treats the root cause of ED, which is blood flow. So if you think about the medication, that's a Band-Aid. It might work. It causes side effects. You have to retake it. Um, it's also worth mentioning that if you're taking medication and it's working, it you'll probably have to take more as time goes on, as your body builds up a tolerance, which I, I see that quite frequently. This acoustic wave therapy eliminates the need for medication. Normal function in the bedroom by opening up the blood vessels, and usually a few treatments over two to three weeks is all it takes. Does it work forever, or do you have to come back at some point? I don't know if we know forever, but we know six to ten years, which is a pretty long time. Um, with our program, you can come back for free if you need to, but most do not need that. The phone number is 801-901-8000, Wasatch Medical Clinic. And uh, so why doesn't the medication work for people? Well, I think it, it works for maybe 30 or 40%. But those 30 to 40 percent, almost all of them experience side effects. And then there's 50, 60, 70 percent that it doesn't work on at all. Uh, so, you know, everybody's different and it just isn't a good solution. It's playing with the, maybe the hormones or the blood flow in your body temporarily. Um, and guys say to us over and over when it comes to function in the bedroom, I want it to work like it used to. I don't want to think about it. And that's what our treatment does. 801-901-8000 is the number. you got a special offer for Zone listeners. We do. If you're struggling with ED, sick of the medication, and even if you're curious, you want to know why you have ED, give us a call right now. Uh, those that do will be given a doctor's exam, consultation, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound that will check for blockages. This is normally about 300 bucks, free to those that call us right now. 801 801- 901-8000 is the number for the Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. And now, attention. top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Lynn Swan has resigned as USC's athletic director. A new president expected to get put together a new leadership team. NFL football. Taysom Hill caught a touchdown pass early in the game. The Saints kicked a 58-yard field goal as time ran out, and they beat the Texans 30-28. Raiders beat the Broncos 24-16. Josh Jacobs running for a couple of touchdowns. USA has a quarterfinal game in the FIBA World Cup. Tomorrow, U.S. facing France. That means Donovan Mitchell will face Rudy Gobert. Winner moves on to play Argentina in the semis. Argentina upsetting Serbia this morning in another quarterfinal game. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Syringa Networks. Verizon customers, if you are recently notified that some of your telecommunication services will no longer be supported, contact Syringa Networks. Syringa is Utah's fastest-growing premier telecommunications provider. They have a full range of services. Call them today at 385-420-7881. That number, 385-420-7881. That's Syringa Networks. Big Show. Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? The Cougars beat the Tennessee Volunteers in double overtime. Fun ending and a big win for BYU. That long play at the end that set up the field goal to go into overtime, that was a blown coverage. Man. It was? It's one of those deals where BYU takes advantage of beating a marquee name that has a crappy team. Sorry to say that for BYU fans who want to get all excited about the win, but I wouldn't get too revved up. This was a big win for BYU. I don't feel like it's necessary to downgrade it. I don't care that Tennessee's not going to win the SEC this year. It makes no difference to me. 
something yeah. you should feel good about. It's a lousy P5 team. Nice for the Cougars. Just doesn't mean a whole bunch. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. BYU has some great momentum after that win in Knoxville with USC coming to town. And another thing, Tennessee game showed us if BYU had used Tyson the right way, we could have beat Utah. There's Edwin using the app, sending us his take. Time to catch up today on all the stuff we talked about. They'd used Tyson the right way, they could have beaten Utah. No, I disagree with that completely because Utah took them out of using Tyson the right way. So they wanted to. I've spoken to the coaches after the fact on this, and they wanted to run him as many times as they did against Tennessee, if Which not more. Which would be 17, as opposed to the seven he got against Utah. But Utah took them out of it. I know right now they're BYU fans thinking seven carries, 45 yards, six and a half yards a carry. How did they take him out of it? Well, Just by holding on to the ball in the second half? They ran 15 plays, I think, in the second half. They had the ball for, what, five minutes? Out of, uh, what do they got, 30 minutes per quarter? I mean, a half, I mean? Yep. And so they just, and they were behind because of the pick sixes. Utah's defense took them out of it, literally and physically, by being ahead, and then you don't have an opportunity, and Utah's offense took them out of it. They would have loved to have done it. That was the game plan. They didn't. This didn't catch them by surprise. Oh, this kid's pretty good. We should give him the ball more. No, I don't. They wouldn't have beaten Utah. I disagree completely. Utah took the game plan away, and that's the mark of a solid defense, obviously. And then the offense, Utah's offense, took BYU's offense out of it too. BYU has not had a lot of snaps on offense in the first two games, and either one of them. When we see teams out there getting 70, 75, sometimes 80 snaps in a game, BYU's not getting anywhere near those numbers. They're going to have to have the ball to give it to them. They're going to have to sustain drive. You must possess the ball! <laughs> yes. I was passionate. And make no excuses for passion. I will not apologize for passion! I never have, and I never will. And one of the one of my standards of living, and so uh, the goal certainly would be to give them to a twenty five times, but the game dictates how you do what you do. PK uh, reads the Phoenix and LA papers every day, having lived in both places. You're uh, you're routinely on top of that, and we've not discussed this in this show. You don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but I think you should summarize, especially some of the numbers you read to me that blew me away, because you know the money stuff always gets to me. <laughs> USC, Lynn Swan is out. They've had three athletic directors in a row there who are former uh, star players. Mike Garrett, who won a Heisman, Heisman Trophy back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Pat Hayden, who led them to Rose Bowl wins in the 70s. Uh, played for the Rams in the NFL. And then they go with Lynn Swan, the legendary USC Trojan and Pittsburgh Steeler. So it's been a quarter of a century of ex-USC greats running the show there. And they've had scandals, some involving athletics, some not involving athletics. Um, they got a new president, and so she gets Swan to resign, presumably because he would have been fired if he hadn't walked. So he resigns. 
And so there's a story about a high-profile booster who has apparently wielded a lot of power behind the scenes and the amount of money flying around at USC. If you think in sports money's really important, you know, the major league team with the most money has the best chance of winning and all that kind of stuff, the college football programs with the most money have the best chance of winning, give me an idea how much money USC's swimming in, PK. Yeah, this guy named B. Wayne Hughes. So he goes by his middle name's first uh, initials B. He's 85 now. And he lives in Kentucky. He's in. Uh, he's been in the horse racing for 40 years, and so he owns a big breeding farm back in Kentucky. And if you've been back in Kentucky, those long rolling fields of horses that they have there, uh, about 400 million. And he has been a big time USC football booster, a Swans guy all the way. And so they estimate he's given about 400 million. And Swan, when he was named athletic director, had zero credentials for the position. I mean, he's all that. I mean, you know, phenomenal football player, Hall of Famer, broadcaster, dabbled in politics and all that in Pittsburgh or in Pennsylvania, and but had zero experience running an athletic department. All that's nice, but it's not part of being an <laughs> athletic administrator. Yeah. That's its own gig, right? I mean, you need grinders to do that day to day stuff. Then you know, don't normally they're not big time celebrities like Lynn Swan was and is and so this guy here has donated a bunch and then they went through the times did a thing on some of the other stuff uh, money of other people have donated i mean just hundreds of millions of dollars it's um, to, to, to think that people have this kind of money is just blows you away and this guy here apparently uh when oj was doing his uh, freeway slow speed chase and Robert Kardashian, the late Robert Kardashian, read what appeared to be a suicide note. Uh, O.J. thanked A.C. Cowings, who was his college teammate and childhood buddy, and employed by Mr. Hughes. And then the second guy that he thanked was Hughes in that letter. He's been wired in the program for a long time. (laughs) And it's thought that he he wanted Swan to have the job. And he wanted Helton to stay on, which is why Swan didn't fire him. So Swan's gone. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Hugh's 85 years old. And he's remained behind the scenes. He hasn't had stuff named after him. Doesn't do a lot of publicity. Isn't likely to be out there on the field at halftime getting introduced. No, no. Writes the check and enjoys being the power behind the throne. Yeah. But he wants to stay behind the throne. Apparently, yeah. And he lives in Kentucky now. So he's uh, removed physically uh, from uh, from SC. So this will be interesting to see what they do and what the ramifications are because the football team, you know, they had scandals. Uh, they they're not currently involved in one outside of losing, and but the basketball team is at all sorts of issues. Well, in this whole FBI investigation, one of the yeah. schools that's been named, their assistant Tony Bland. Tony Bland, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, to the point where, uh, what was it, not this past season, but the season before, the Colorado coach made reference to it in the postgame. And then uh, I think later that year, or maybe it was last year, SC poured it on him and didn't take out the starters. Nobody forgets. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody forgets. <laughs> yes. And he's not been fired, neither is Sean Miller, and the school's in session, and, and basketball's all that, and they'll be back, and the Arizona team will be highly ranked, and they'll probably lose in the tournament like they normally do, and life goes on, man. And then Yoli Childs is suspended nine games. <laughs> <laughs> Makes no sense. 
know. I know. He's a kid. This has been the nine games. <laughs> meanwhile, over here, and meanwhile, all of that, and back at North Carolina, they had academic fraud, but, well, yeah, big deal. What's going on here, man? It's the wild, wild west. He only gets nine games. He gets a third of the season, his senior season. And he's not, he's not rich. His mother's a high school teacher. No. Really nailed him for not crossing the T's and dotting the I's. Oh, my gosh. As he tried to negotiate the whole NBA thing. And what did Dave Rose has to vacate two seasons worth of wins? 47 W's. (laughs) If I can only tell you some of the stories that have been told to me, and by the people who told them to me, it's just, you just say, what are we doing here, man? It's crazy. I asked a guy once for some dirt from a high-profile program, and I knew, and I, I knew him, and and was just talking to him like, "What is going on?" He said, "I can't talk about it. All I can tell you is I am standing hip deep." My he says, "My industry is a cesspool, and I'm standing hip deep in it." So he kind of confirmed it without confirming it, without going into any of the details. Yeah, and that was five years ago now, at least. It's been a, a cesspool, a self-described cesspool. For sure. But that's what the North Carolina academic fraud is. Isn't that five years in the rearview mirror now? Probably, yeah. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, the question of the morning that everyone's been trying to answer. you got to answer it for yourself. What should Ute fans want to have happen with this BYU-USC game? You've beaten one team, you're about to play the other, so it doesn't really impact your strength of schedule either way. You beat one, you're about to play the other. It doesn't really matter there. You want BYU to soften them up? That's what 33% of the people are saying. But 36% now, surging in the lead, say USC wins and sets up a showdown. 11% say, I can't root for either team because I hate them both. And don't care, it's our year, 20% of the votes. Yeah, man, if I think my team is all that, do you think that the Pete Carroll Trojans were worried about who did what to whom the week before when they had it going on? 2004 or 5, whatever it might have been. No, I really don't think so. I think that you worry about yourselves. And if the U team is what they're cracked up to be, who cares? This, this is not 04, where you just beat up, you're way better and you had a better scheme and you just beat the crap out of everybody. That you, was fun. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But that's not what this is. But, but you know, you didn't get, you, they let you in the door and that was it. Now, here, they're not going to let you in anywhere. You're going to storm in that door. You're going to demand that that door goes wide open. And if you take care of business like you're supposed to, you'll be in. And so SC, good, bad, indifferent, doesn't matter. You know, I said early when you asked me about this before you went on your don't care, it's our year, kick the door in spiel. I was saying I think there's a part – of a lot of you fans that wants BYU to soften them up, give them a roadmap. How do you beat USC? How do you beat this quarterback? Really don't want to see him go out there and have a ton of confidence, light it up, complete 80% of his passes for three or 400 yards, basically do what he did to Stanford, do it again this time on the road. I don't think you want that. You want him to kind of soften them up. No, no. But to what we were just talking about, uh, at the start of the segment about Tyson Williams, is the roadmap for the Utes really one that you stop that offense by playing keep away? You go on long, 
ball control drives, you eat up clock, you don't let them get into a rhythm because in real time, you know, they're on the field. If they have one three and out, they might they might not be on the field for half an hour, basically. I mean, they have, they'd be out for those three plays. But basically, you just wouldn't have the ball, and you play keep away. Get them behind, put them under pressure, shorten the game. And really, you're the only one who's going to be able to I do mean, that. You don't have to worry about that because that's the way Kyle has coached for 20 years. Right. So the way they would win... going to do that. So the way they would win this game, then... No one else is really going to show you that roadmap. I mean, nobody else. I mean, we like Tyson, but yeah, but you already he's not know Zach. that ahead of time, right? I'm saying we know this now, so it's really this game here. I mean, I guess it can show you something. You know, he could oh, have no, a problem I think making it can some show you throws. something because if they, if you have the ball 15 minutes and walk out of there with three points, and I have the ball for three minutes and walk out of there with seven then points, time what possession is overrated, right? Yeah. So are they really a, a quick-strike offense, speaking of the Trojans, and they certainly have the potential. We'll have to see as the schedule progresses, but right now, to date, there's no question that SC has the most quick-strike capability that any team Utah will have faced. When you've got those receivers... And that's largely why they were picked second in the division. They everyone can else get in that end zone right. and in everyone, a hurry. Everyone knew they had high-end receivers. Multiple. Right. High, well, as Frank Dolce said, multiple high NFL draft picks. I believe when they their, do. When their time comes. you got to play the three years. Well, Pittman is a senior. Yeah. So his time is here. Brown is, I think, just a sophomore. And I have to double check on Bonds. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Getting you up to date on the stuff we've been talking about during this show. You can go vote in the poll if you want on Twitter. It's a David DJ James. It is brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. This eight-year-old Swedish girl in a lake in Sweden stepped on something in this lake. She pulled it up, and it was a thousand-year-old Viking sword. If you found something that was a thousand years old and priceless, like, do you call authorities or... Are you going to keep this? I mean, is this no, yours now? No, this was taken from her. The only thing she's going to get is recognition well, then, that she found it. If I ever find a dinosaur bone that's rare, I'm just going to keep it. The last thing I want is somebody marching into my front room declaring prima nocta on that thing and taking it. Prima nocta? Yeah, it's an old saying when you could come in and take anything you wanted. Oh, yeah? That's nice. Well done by you. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hey, would you guys mind spending a few minutes talking about the game of the week? where Herm Edwards, the Herm train, rolls into East Lansing, and Jaden Daniels and the Sun Devils take on the Michigan State defense. Thanks in advance. I think Lori Laughlin will come and be the new athletic director at USC, helping to bring scholarships to all those kids out there that need it. Maybe they'll bring Cal Whittingham to be the football coach. Oh, PK, my man, you have been a radio heavyweight this morning. And as far as the game goes, I don't care who wins as long as it's a David James certified toe sucker. I agree with PK. A win against a 3-0 USC looks freaking awesome! Feedback of the day brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or City.com. There's your feedback. People have grabbed the app, used the open mic. Send us your takes. 
Uh, you were just wondering about SC's receivers, PK. There are three leading receivers. They already have three receivers who are in uh, double digits for catches this year. Pittman, St. Brown, and Vaughn. Yeah. Sophomore, junior, and senior. And then behind them, they have a cast of 6'4 yeah, and 6'5 freshmen and sophomores. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're really good, son, but you're 6'1, so why don't you go the play? hasn't suffered. Play wherever. We, we get 6'4. We're looking for the next Megatron here. We'll, we'll take 6'4 and 6'5, guys. Yeah, and it was only one losing season. The season before was Rose Bowl, was it not? I believe it was. With Sammy D. Yeah, because it was SC who broke up the two Washington Conference titles. They won yeah. two out of three. Yeah. yeah. And then there's a whole stat people have been tracking. Well, what's Clay Helton's record without Darnold? So he's a good coach when he has a good quarterback, and he's not a good coach when he doesn't have a good quarterback. That makes him unusual how in the history of coaching. Yeah, the problem with Helton, if it's so-called problem, and I'm rooting for Helton, is that he doesn't have this sexy sizzle. Like Urban. Or Pete Carroll. Yeah. Pete Carroll was young and hip. He probably smoked dope, too. He made you feel good about yourself. And Clay Helton's a grinder who wins football games. Right. We're SC. We don't need grinders who win football games. Right. We need Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, and things changed. The NFL came back, and, and uh, so they weren't the only show in town when it came to football and all this stuff. But you know, I'm, I'm not sleeping on the Trojans this year, man. Uh, they, they, I think they have an opportunity to be pretty doggone good. PK, you need multiple things for a great in-game promo at BYU. First, a funeral potato-eating contest. Second, chair fold-up and put-away contest. Third, scripture chase. Fourth, swear word euphemism contest. And then fifth, we can do your shoe throw. No. Highest combined score wins. See, all that stuff takes time. You need to get in and out with your promotion. Get in and out. Pop off a shoe. Chuck it down the field. And call it good. Yes. And shoe throwing would just, it would be hysterical. Everyone would laugh. And they would be laughing at themselves. Uh, Jonathan tweets in uh, is on the topic of BYU or USC, who should you fans be rooting for? He says, first of all, I would root for the Taliban if they had a football team playing BY poo-poo. But more importantly, you root for the conference and hopefully a better win when the Utes go to USC the following week. Yeah, that's fine. But I just think if you go undefeated, I don't really care what the conference does. Clemson has proven that time and time again. All right, DJ and PK, and we are joined by Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic, here with a surgery-free, drug-free answer for people battling ED. Yes, this is called acoustic wave therapy. Um, Utilized here in the U.S. for five years, in Europe for maybe 20, it opens up the blood vessels in this part of the body, and that means more blood flow. If you think about a guy with erectile dysfunction, what does he really need more of? He needs more blood flow. So typically with a few short treatments at our clinic in Murray, a guy can get back to normal function in the bedroom. And here's the best part. Everybody loves this. No pills, no side effects. So people wonder uh, why the medication hasn't worked for ED. Yeah, I think it's been, I think it's really been that 60% of guys just flat out don't respond. And the ones that do respond get the headaches, get the blurred vision. You know, this is, when you're looking to increase blood flow in one part of your body, the pills increase blood flow everywhere and causes a lot of problems. Um, Whereas our treatment is a physical solution to the blood vessels and to the blood flow. 801-901-8000 is the number for Wasatch Medical Clinic. 
8000 and you got a special offer for the listeners. We do. And last one of the day, by the way, call us now. We will do an initial assessment, exam, blood flow ultrasound, really a good analysis of you and why you have ED. It's totally free to those that call us now, normally about a $300 value. 801-901-8000, the Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. DJ and PK, we're out of here. Coming up next, it's Austin and Tony on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.